Hello. Hola. Hello. Ni hao. Bonjour. Hi. Buenos dias. Guten tag. G'day. Welcome to the Husida Podcast, a production of the Human Services Information Technology Association. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Jimmy Young. I'll be your host for this episode. This month's episode is going to be just a little different. I wanted to give you a brief year in review type of podcast with some basic stats and also remind you to go check out our previous episodes if you haven't already listened. I, I initially launched this podcast with the support of Husida to extend the organization's reach and continue to raise awareness about the ethical and appropriate use of technology in the human services almost 12 months ago. I wanted to bring awareness to the Journal of Technology and Human Services, which is also sponsored by HUSIDA, and further disseminate the amazing and high-quality research that is being disseminated throughout this journal. The past year has been amazing, as I've interviewed people from around the world and discussed a range of topics, from virtual reality and social media in supporting individuals, the future of social work, data-driven organizations, LGBTQ plus youth and their access to online resources, and of course, a little bit of history with the Husita Pioneers Project. The Husita podcast has actually been downloaded 475 times since its initial episode, with most of our listeners residing in the United States, Canada, Ireland, Australia, and the UK. Interestingly, most listeners access the podcast via Google Chrome and Safari, with only about 12% actually using Spotify or some other applications. Either way, it really has been a truly amazing year, and I sincerely thank all my guests that have been on the podcast thus far. The biggest lesson that I've learned in starting a podcast is just how intensive the work is when you're producing, organizing, and communicating with guests, editing files, creating blog posts, and promoting the podcast via social media. I've largely been a one-person show, and to be honest, I'm pretty exhausted. So at this point, I've decided to step away from the podcast in the new year. I've discussed this with the board of Husida and also explained that I'm happy to still produce some episodes if others would like to conduct and record interviews. I simply have just run out of time and need to focus some of my priorities on some other opportunities. So the Husida podcast will be going on hiatus indefinitely. But before I go, I thought I would take a personal liberty in this final episode to discuss my own recent publication in the Journal of Technology and Human Services that was just released online this December. So I hope you will humor me and continue listening as I share a bit more about some of my own work. If it's any consolation, I've actually brought this issue of uh, digital literacies. I've brought it up in other podcast episodes, so I feel like this might be a good episode to conclude with. At any rate, with that in mind, I'm pleased to interview myself. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to interview myself. That would be ludicrous. Rather, I'm just going to share a bit about the publication and some of my work in the area of digital literacies, or what I specifically refer to as new media literacies and participatory culture in social work education and practice. 
First things first, though, I do want to send a big shout out to my student who's now fully graduated and a wonderful social work professional, Ryan Renquillo, my co-author on this publication, which we titled Enhancing New Media Literacies of Social Work Students Through a Participatory Learning Environment. Ryan was a big help with a qualitative portion and a lot of the editing of this study as we utilize the mixed methodology in our research design with a qualitative portion and a quantitative pretest post test. So thanks again, Ryan. Really couldn't have done this without you. All right. I also think it's probably best to start out with a little bit of background for some context. I previously published another article, also within the Journal of Technology and Human Services, back in 2015 that was titled, Assessing New Media Literacies in Social Work Education, the Development and Validation of a Comprehensive Assessment Instrument. With that paper, I was really able to focus my work because of Dr. Iona Literat, who I I hope I said her name correctly. Apologies if I didn't say that correctly, but... Uh, Dr. Litterat, at the time of this recording, is an associate professor at Columbia University in New York. And prior to that, Iona was a doctoral student at the University of Southern California, working with Dr. Henry Jenkins, who, along with his colleagues, were the ones that actually created and identified the 12 new media literacies that I've based a lot of my research around. And these literacies include play, performance, simulation, appropriation, multitasking, distributed cognition, collective intelligence, judgment, transmedia navigation, networking, negotiation, and visualization. Ooh, that's a lot. I know. I think I'll go ahead and leave a link out on the Husita blog where you can actually see these specific skills along with their definitions as well. But I really set out to replicate some of the work that Iona was doing to measure new media literacies, but my focus was on social work students and educators. Uh, Spoiler alert, if you don't want to go out and find that 2015 article, uh, there was a significant difference between the levels of new media literacies among social work students and educators, with students actually having higher levels of new media literacies. So in that paper, along with some conference presentations and blog posts over the years, I began to introduce this idea of new media literacies and participatory culture in social work education. Now, fast forward to 2021, I'm still advocating for increasing the levels of digital and new media literacies among social work students and professionals. And in this latest publication, I actually set out or we set out to replicate some of my previous study findings, but also add in the idea of a participatory learning environment that's situated within the social work classroom. So within this classroom, I created some technology-infused assignments as well as some assignments that used no technology in order to teach specific new media literacies and then to determine if doing so would effectively raise the students' literacies levels from pre-test to post-test. So to really cut a lot out here and speed this up, we did actually see a demonstrable increase in our students' levels of new media literacies from that pre-test to post-test at the end of the semester. And I'm not really going to get into all of the stats and the research design here because it'd probably take much longer. And I have some other things to discuss here in the podcast. You can, if you like, go out and find the article and have a read. But I really do want to spend more time talking about what new media literacies are and why I think they are important to the social work profession. I'd already mentioned that new media literacies were conceptualized by Henry Jenkins and colleagues more than 15 years ago or over 15 years ago. They discussed new media literacies in relation to participatory culture pretty broadly, but then more specifically the participatory culture of social media 
and argued that students then, and I would say even students today, need to obtain the necessary digital competencies to participate in our modern and digitally mediated world. Now, you've likely heard the term digital literacies in relation to social media and other technologies because digital literacies is more of a broad, all-encompassing term that incorporates the principles of media literacy, which, again, is essentially the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, and communicate messages in a wide variety of forms. So digital literacies are meant to help individuals develop habits of inquiry and skills of expression to be critical thinkers, critical consumers, creators, and participants in the new digital world. New media literacies build on this tradition, but then extend to include the social skills and cultural competencies that are necessary to participate in our online communities or digital spaces that are vastly different from decades ago. And if you think about it, social media has really transformed the way society connects, I think for good and for bad. So I argue So we argue that new media literacies are necessary more now than ever because of things like misinformation and fake news. I mean, we've seen the incredibly negative effects that this is having on our society. And I don't want to get too dystopian here because with some of these same social media tools, these same digital technologies, we can also see some magnificent things from people that are helping others to raising awareness about critical issues and so much more. But again, new media literacies are about the aggregation of skills, knowledge, social and behavioral norms, or more broadly, digital competency, which is necessary to navigate in our digital landscape of today. But it's not just an online thing. I believe that new media literacies extend offline as well, because we're seeing so many online activities impacting real life. I think social workers can be instrumental in helping people navigate this new world where we have a nearly seamless transition between the digital and the real. Whether it's clinically relevant, like internet addiction or cyberbullying, to exit counselors who are actually people, social workers, professionals, counselors that help people leave conspiracy spaces online in those communities. I think social workers need to have the requisite digital competencies to be effective in the future. And to me, that competence is built on a foundation of new media literacies and also an understanding of participatory culture. Now, participatory culture, again, is something that Henry Jenkins has written a lot about. And so all credit to him. But as we wrote in the paper, participatory culture represents a culture with relatively low barriers to artistic expression and civic engagement also strong support for creating and sharing creations, and where some type of informal mentorship is experienced by participants, and also where participants can pass along knowledge to novices. It's really the participatory properties of new media and digital technologies that allow for students to further build their competence with traditional research and technical skills that are already being taught in the classroom. The participatory culture of social media just provides a space for collaborative learning, exploration, problem solving, and the development of new knowledge and networking. So participatory culture shapes and influences the flow of media content through blogs, videos, podcasts, and other things. But to be clear, participatory culture as a concept goes way beyond just social media, as Henry Jenkins would argue. Participatory culture existed decades before the internet, but has really greatly expanded with the opportunities that are afforded through digital technologies. So people today do not merely consume digital content, they create it, they remix it and curate it and participate with it in ways that produce new skills and knowledge, even if they're not fully aware of it. 
Digital and new media technologies now allow students the ability to participate in learning activities that are dramatically different than ever before. But too often in social work education, the conversation about technology centers on what the technology will and will not allow. When I think the conversation should focus on the participatory elements of a digitally mediated culture and how increasing new media literacies can also increase digital competencies of social work students and professionals. Whew, okay, I know that's a lot, and I, I honestly hope you're still with me here, but this really all begs the question of what does this look like in the classroom? Well, as I outlined a little bit in the paper, I have a number of different activities that I've specifically designed to help students grasp the principles behind each of the 12 new media literacies. And I, again, shared a couple of those, several of those within the paper. I shared a technology-infused assignment that actually leveraged several of the new media literacies. And then I also used an activity that leveraged no technology or, or no tech activity in order to help students realize how these skills can be applied offline as well. So first, the technology-based assignment. This is one that I've actually used for years and have also previously published on and presented on it at conferences. And that's live Twitter chats and the use of a documentary film in order to help students learn about inequality, policy advocacy, as well as using social media for research, networking, and demonstrating ethical and professional behavior online. I also had students tweeting reflective tweets about the readings every week and things that they were participating in, which I would then bring up in class as a point of discussion. But the live Twitter chat was a fantastic way to help students see how networking, simulation, judgment, and other new media literacies can happen very quickly. One of the no technology activities that I used was just a simple card game like Uno or Go Fish to learn about the skill of negotiation, which is the ability to travel across diverse communities, discerning and respecting multiple perspectives, and grasping and following alternative norms. But really, any game could be used as long as the class is split into some groups and a specific number of the students are selected as like travelers to move among those groups. Each of those groups will employ different rules or house rules for the specific games that are being played. And then those traveling students that are moving from group to group, they have to use the skill of negotiation to discern those rules, to adapt and to integrate into that group and adopt their norms of that group. That, that group and that community. By the way, this activity also leverages the skill of play, which is the capacity to experiment with one's surroundings as a form of problem solving. But generally, it was just fun, and there was no technology that was needed, and the students enjoyed it a lot. I'd also add here a quick disclaimer that if you're planning on adopting any games or technologies within a course, that you should always consider the learning objectives first and match the tech and the activities to that objective. I feel like too often in social work, we get stuck on what the tools do or do not allow when we really should be focusing on the participatory aspects of the new digitally mediated culture and how increasing knowledge around new media literacies can address the challenges that social work educators and professionals will face in the future. So I previously gave a spoiler alert a minute or two ago or a few minutes ago that students' levels of new media literacies were in fact enhanced from pre-test to post-test in this course. But the biggest takeaway for me was that students had fun. They were more motivated to participate and they could see how new media literacies could actually be applied in their future careers. Although I didn't specifically link uh, this theory within the study, I've written about connected learning theory in other papers and other places. 
So connected learning theory recognizes the importance of academic success when educators or institutions draw from and connect to people's peer culture, their interests, and their pursuits, so that learners are able to flourish and realize their true potential. I'll also link out to Dr. Ito's work here uh, on the Husita blog as well, and this is where connected learning uh, really comes from. The Connected Learning Framework actually rests on six pillars that I think are also important and could be influential in designing a participatory learning environment. So the Connected Learning Framework, again, rests on these six pillars. Interest-driven. And this is where interest foster the drive to gain knowledge and expertise, where research has actually shown that when the topic is personally interesting and relevant, those learners achieve a much higher order uh, achieve much higher order learning outcomes. So connected learning views interests and passions that are developed in a social context as essential elements. And I really tried to hammer that home within my course design. The next pillar is that it's peer supported. So connected learning thrives in a socially meaningful and knowledge rich ecology of ongoing participation, self-expression and recognition. So in their everyday exchanges with peers and friends, young people fluidly contribute. They share and give feedback. Now, powered with possibilities made available by today's social media, this peer culture can produce learning that's engaging and powerful. And I saw some of that happen with the use of Twitter in my course. The next pillar is that it's academically oriented. So connected learning recognizes the importance of academic success for intellectual growth as an avenue towards economic and political opportunity. So when academic studies and institutions draw from and connect to young people's peer culture, communities, and their interest-driven pursuits, learners flourish and they realize their true potential. This is really important because we need to center academics within the learning. Another pillar is that there needs to be a shared purpose. In today's social media and web-based communities, they do provide unprecedented opportunities for caring adults, teachers, parents, and learners and their peers to share their interests and contribute to a common purpose. So the potential of cross-generational learning and connection unfolds when it's centered on common goals. Couple more pillars within the connected learning framework. Next, we have openly networked. So connected learning environments link learning in school, home, and community because learners achieve best when their learning is reinforced and supported in multiple settings. So online platforms can make learning resources abundant, accessible, and visible across all learner settings. And the last pillar in this framework is that it's production-centered. So connected learning prizes the learning that comes from actively producing, creating, experimenting, and designing because it promotes skills and dispositions for lifelong learning and for making meaningful contributions to today's rapidly changing work and social conditions. In short, connected learning is about leveraging the participatory culture of social media and digital technologies to apply principles students are learning about in the classroom in order to solve real and diverse challenges. I think that's amazing and fantastic as an educator. But the reality is, is that technology is going to continue to impact the future of social work practice. And social workers are already using social media, augmented and virtual reality, along with a host of other tools in their social work practice. We know clients are impacted, good and bad, by technology. And so it's more important now than ever, that students, educators, and even the general public become aware of critical new media literacies to combat oppression, misinformation, and work towards a more equitable society. New media literacies can help educate people about the challenges and opportunities of technology. And so we end in this article by saying, 
Communities are now more global, with access to information constant and nearly instantaneous. Social workers have a responsibility to fight oppression, injustice, and help empower marginalized communities. By creating participatory learning environments, this represents one innovative method to address these areas in order to enhance student learning and create positive change. Now, I don't think this means everyone needs to go and get a Twitter account, an Instagram, or that they should run out and buy the latest technology, but I do think they need to maintain an open mind, be a critical consumer of information, but more critical in a curious way, and also realize that technology is moving quickly and we have to keep up. Professional social work requires that we take all of this social media and digital technology stuff seriously so that we might intervene effectively. I, for one, am excited about the possibilities of the future, even a highly technological one that often scares most people. I just think we need to act now to shape the future that we want. But what about you? What do you think? You can let me know by connecting with me on Twitter, at JimmySW, or feel free to leave a comment out on the Husita blog. But with that, I'm going to end it here and say good night, good day, or good morning, wherever you're at. And I sincerely thank you for listening to the Husita Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful new year. The Husita Podcast is a production of the Human Services Information Technology Association. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast, please connect with us on our website at www.husita.org, on Twitter at husita.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash husita.org. Be sure to rate the podcast and share it with your networks to help us create a world where information technology is used to promote the social good and human well-being. Thanks for listening to the podcast.